This is a Discovery Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we invite you to find yourself in the bigger story. To find out more about what's going on in the life of the church, head to discoverychurch.com.au. Well, good morning. Good to see you, Jody. here. Great to have you joining us in this series called Rebirth. Um, this morning, um, we are looking at um, sloth. The, in the seven deadly sins, as Matt just shared, in our rebirth series, we've been looking at these seven deadly sins or these seven vices. We're up to week five, guys. So we've got one more week to go after this week. But today we're focusing on the sin of sloth. Now that might sound like, um, that might be new to you that that's a sin, but what I'd love us to do, we're gonna, be, we're gonna not be slothful this morning and we're gonna actually be really interactive. And so I'd love you to put in the chat what comes to mind when you think of that word sloth or slothfulness? Now, before you start quickly putting things in there, this is not your chance to throw your partner under the bus or your teenager, no names please. But what do you think of? Let's do a quick word association. I'd love to see what comes to mind for you when you think of that word sloth or slothfulness. What are the character traits? What um, images? What do you first think of when you think of that word? While you're doing that, um, you might, if you, all you have to do, cult, sloths have risen to cult status. They are trending everywhere. If you, put, if you put sloth into your search engine, it will come up with every kind of piece of merchandise that you could ever hope to buy. There are sloth t-shirts, there are sloth hoodies, there are hanging planters, there are phone cases, there are tote bags, there are pajamas. There are endless sloth memes online. You can even in places like America, you can buy an experience with a real life sloth. All right, what have we got coming in on the chat here? Sleeping, lazy. Oh, Siri's even joining into the chat this morning. This is awesome. She's having a bit of trouble hearing me even though I'm speaking so loud. All right, like, yes, famous sloths like Sid from Ice Age. He burst on the scene and I think it was Flash in Zootopia. Thanks, Caleb Bowringer. Um, the animal from memes, yes. Procrastination, yes. Laziness, having no motivation. All of these things, love it, love it, love it. A day on the couch, yes. Thanks, Michelle. Cute animals that grow mold on their back. Didn't know that, but fun fact, everybody, we've just learnt something new about sloths this morning. Um, I've got, do you know what? There's even entire pages online devoted to sloth jokes. Now, I'm not really very good at telling jokes, but I thought I would tell you a few just to cheer you up this morning. I'm not sure how this is gonna go because clearly you're not here to respond to me, but I'm just gonna, we're gonna do, we're gonna do it anyway because um, online things and we just swing it sometimes. So here's the first one. Why did the sloth cross the road? And I can, I'm just gonna imagine you at home saying, I don't know, Jodes, why did the sloth cross the road? Nobody knows, he's still trying. <laughs> Good, the guys here are laughing. I don't know if you can hear them, but there's at least someone's laughing. Okay, here's the next one. What does the sloth read every morning when he wakes up? Anyone guess? It did. This is what the sloth reads, a snooze paper. Hilarious, although I actually think he's probably not really reading anything because he's so lazy. All right, one more. Why don't sloths look at their watches to tell the time? because they find it too time consuming. <laughs> That's a good one, it's a good one. I know you're loving these this morning. All right, 
Um, I, hope <laughs> I hope this has given you, if you love jokes, you can go and you can enjoy all the sloth jokes online. There are so many pages full of them. Um, but let's get into this this morning. Um, at worst, though, when we think about this idea of sloth or slothfulness, at worst, most of us, if we're honest, probably have always thought about it maybe more like a bad habit or a bad character trait of being ultra lazy, ultra slothful, you know, slow and tired and sleepy and snoozy all the time. Um, so it might actually surprise you to see it pop up in this list of seven deadly sins and to actually hear that it is a sin and scripture has a lot to say about it. Um, and we're going to be having a look at a whole bunch of scriptures today that are going to just invite us into this space to explore it. Um, but you might also be on here this morning thinking, well, I'm not lazy. I'm actually a super productive person, so this isn't relevant for me. But I just want to invite you to hang in there with me because what we're actually going to discover is that the sin of sloth um, goes way beyond laziness and it actually has a whole lot more to do with what's going on on the inside of us as opposed to just our behaviour. So it actually has much more to do with the intentions and the motivations of our heart than it does just with our external behaviour. Because um, you can be physically slothful, and I think that's probably what comes to mind for us first, is that idea of um, laziness that's really evident. Um, but you can also be spiritually slothful. You can be slothful in the way you approach your faith and your discipleship and your relationship with Jesus. You can be relationally slothful in your life, in how you interact with your partner, with your children, with your friends and your family, with your work colleagues. Um, you can have a slothful mentality to the way that you approach your everyday life. So we're going to have a bit of a deep dive into this today. Um, but I'd just love to quickly pray for us as we get stuck into this. So, Lord, I just pray this morning, would you open our hearts to hear your word afresh today? As we open your scripture, would your word of truth just cha change us, transform us, encourage us, inspire us, and lead us to freedom? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So what is slothfulness? Let's answer that question together this morning because as I've just said to you, it is a bit more than just laziness. So we can't just chunk it to laziness and leave it there. Now, I want to let you know this morning, um, so far in this series, this is week five, six out of seven, there are sins of commission and sins of omission. And every week so far in this series, we've looked at pride, we've looked at lust, we've looked at envy, we've looked at anger, and we've looked at, what else? Greed. Greed. Thank you. Thank you from the back stalls, Pastor Dan. Um, all of those are sins of commission. And what that means is when we make an intentional choice to engage in behavior that is not in line with the word of God or with the plan that he has for us. So that they, they are things that are immoral. Um, and so we've looked all those five things and also gluttony that we're going to get to next week. All are sins of commission. Now, this is where sloth is a subtle one and why sometimes we struggle to really connect with it as a sin is because sloth is actually a sin of omission, which means an intentional decision not to do something that is in line with scripture rather than an intentional decision to do something that we know is wrong. A sin of omission is an intentional decision not to do something that we know is right. And specifically, as it relates to slothfulness, um, the sin of sloth is the omission of desire and care to actually live a life of purpose, 
to partner with Jesus in his mission and his plan and purpose for your life and in his mission for the world. So this idea of sloth, it actually comes from a Greek word called akedia or acedia, however you want to pronounce that, which means an absence of care. So when slothfulness takes root in our lives and when it becomes a pattern of sin, it's this idea that we are intentionally choosing not to partner with what God has planned for us, with what he's invited us to, and we're actually resisting that. So at its most extreme, slothfulness is refusing to receive the joy that comes from life with God. Ref refusing to receive the joy by not partnering with God in his plans and purposes. Um, and at its simplest, it's, it's intentional laziness, resisting work and productivity in our lives. Um, and it's so subtle in its nature that sometimes it makes it hard to identify in our lives. But um, a helpful way, and, and I'm, I'm sharing, to you, sharing all of this with you today as somebody who's been on this journey. Slothfulness is a real challenge for me personally in my life and as I look back over my life. And so I want to share with you some of the lessons that I've, I'm, I'm still learning on the journey. But sometimes slothfulness looks like falling asleep in your life. Falling asleep to yourself to what your heart truly desires, to the plans of God for you, to your gifts, to your talents. It can look like falling asleep to your future. It can look like falling asleep to really being present with who God has called you to be, your identity in Christ, your call, your giftings. But it can also look like falling asleep to the needs of others in your world and not being truly present and engaged um, and working together for, for their good and for their benefit. And it can look like falling to sleep, falling asleep to God and his presence in your life. It's often known as the sin of comfort. Um, and for us today, what I, and if you need a title for the message, this is the thing with slothfulness. It's an attitude that wants to take the path of least resistance instead of the path of greatest glory to God. So if you like a title, here's your title, Beware the Path of Least Resistance. Beware the Path of Least Resistance. Let me read to you a couple of Proverbs, because Proverbs has a lot to say about slothfulness, and then we're going to actually have a look at a, a, a bigger story in Scripture that's really going to help us um, figure out how slothfulness, how we get to it, how this pattern develops in our lives, how we get there, and also how to get out of it and how we break free. But firstly, just a couple of Proverbs for you. Proverbs 19, 15. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep. An idle person will suffer hunger. Proverbs 20, verse 4. The sluggard does not plough in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. Proverbs 10, 26. This is a great one. Lazy people irritate their employers like vinegar to the teeth and smoke in their eyes. Did you hear that? If you are an employer and you have someone who's lazy, just chronically lazy on your staff, you will know exactly how this feels. It is so irritating. And if you are an employee, if, this, if ever you needed a warning to not be a lazy employee, here it is because it's like being smoke in your boss's eyes. Don't do that. All right, Proverbs 26, 14 to 16. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. 
The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Can you see that image though, guys? This is the sluggard who's so tired that he's rolling on his bed and he can't even bring his hand from the bowl to feed himself. This, this idea of just absolutely chronic laziness. This themes, themes coming out in these proverbs, idleness, inactivity, um, just emptiness, lack. Um, and there's, there's consequences for this, you know, as we read in scripture. There's a warning against becoming conceited. The sluggard thinks he's wise in his own eyes. He thinks he's, he's, he's got everybody fooled and he's actually found the ticket to life. Um, but I also just want to mention the trap of misdirected busyness. Do you know that you could be a workaholic and still be slothful? Because you might be the most impressive person in the room at work, the most accomplished, the one who's there on time every day, there before everybody else, but at home you're slothful in your approach to your family or you're being slothful in your approach to your finances or the way that you're managing your own personal health and well-being. So we've got to be careful with the traps here. You know, the culture of the world that we live in, you'll know this, is we're living for the weekend. I think there's even a song about that. Somebody will know who wrote that. I'm terrible with who wrote what songs. But it's our, the culture of the world is living for the weekend. TGIF, thank God it's Friday. Um, the culture of the world is the least amount of work for the most amount of reward. Or maybe you've heard it this way, chills pay the bills. I hear that rolling around a lot in people's language, particularly in some of our younger people, chills pay the bills. That is the culture of the world. Let me tell you, that's not the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom is this, God is a worker. He created, he, from before time, God has been working. And, he had, and we have been created in his image to be workers as well, to imitate his image. Um, work's not a result of the fall. Let me just bust that myth for you this morning. Toil is a result of the fall. Work and toil are not the same thing. You can go and check that out in the beginning of Genesis. Have a look at Genesis 2. Um, we've been put on the earth to work. That is what we've been designed to do, to do meaningful kingdom work, partnering with God to fill the earth and subdue it. So we're going to have a look at um, one of the best examples, illustrations of this in, in scripture is a parable that Jesus told to his disciples in Matthew 25. Um, if you've got your Bible there or you've got your phone, bring it up and you can, um, you can have a look at this along with me. Matthew 25, the parable of the talents um, is where we're going to go this morning. And it's an incredible illustration of slothfulness at work and gives us some really good clues about how we actually can move through this and find some freedom from this in our own lives. So I'm going to read it to you, starting at verse 14, Matthew 25, starting at verse 14. It says this, the kingdom of God will be, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who'd received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned. 
and settled accounts with them. The man who'd received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, now listen to this, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whew! It's a tough scripture, guys, and um, we can be fooled to thinking that this is just a parable about financial stewardship, and it is about financial stewardship, but it's about more than that. This is actually, this parable is an exhortation from Jesus to his disciples about the importance of using the gifts and the talents that they'd been given to see profit for the kingdom, to actually use them to glorify God and to make him known. And so I want to tell you this today, guys, because we are called in the same way as disciples of Jesus. We are called to generate spiritual profit for the kingdom, using what's in our hands to point people towards the truth of the gospel. We are called to generate spiritual profit for the kingdom by using the gifts we have to glorify God, not to be like the servant who was fearful and buried it in the ground and did nothing with it at all. And so as we read through this and as we look at this parable, we can see, and this is why slothfulness is considered a sin because it's equated to waste. It's wasted opportunity, it's wasted gifts, it's wasted resources, it's wasted time. And you see the harsh response of the master and that feels harsh to us that he would speak so harshly to him. And also, um, you know, right at the end of that scripture, it says, um, you know, throw, throw him outside, throw him away, throw him away from me. This idea of judgment that when we're not actually stewarding what the Lord's given us, what he's invited us to, that there, that, that, that comes with some judgment. So how is it that we get here in our own lives? How is it that for some of us, slothfulness has become a pattern? And I want to just say this quickly, because for some of us, slothfulness is actually a pattern of sin that runs through our lives and it's something that we're constantly challenged with. But sometimes slothfulness shows up in a season. We've been in a hard season, guys, this last 18 months, relentless lockdowns, relentless restrictions, setback after setback, disappointment after disappointment, loss after loss. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that, that this last season has really in lots of ways worn me down. And there are days when if you're anything like me, you just want to climb into bed and tell someone to wake you up when it's all over, right? 
We have days like that. So for some of us, slothfulness, we need to pay attention to it, to it if it's a pattern of sin. But sometimes we just have seasons of slothfulness. And this last 18 months has been such a challenge that most of us would probably admit to having days where we feel really slothful, where we just feel like going to sleep to ourselves because everything just feels too much, too big, too hard too exhausting and I just want to say it's okay we're going to talk about some ways that we find some real freedom from that in just a minute so um, if that's you I just want you to know that it's okay you're going to be okay and this is the the beauty of the gospel is the power of redemption and we're going to get to that in a minute but how does slothfulness take root how do we get there in the first place I think there was a beautiful clue in the in in, sorry, excuse me, in the parable that we just read. Um, and because there's a couple of things I think that happen for us and they're kind of the dynamic duo or the double trouble and it's fear and it's pride. Um, fear shows up in an abandonment of self. And we read that in the, in the parable just now. It says, I was so fearful of, the, the servant was so fearful of his master and his master's response that he buried his gift in the ground. He buried what was entrusted to him in the ground. And sometimes that happens to us too. We get so caught up in fear that we actually abandon ourselves and walk away from what our hearts truly desire, from our purposes, from our purpose, from our dreams, from our call. Um, Sometimes it's the fear of failing. It's the fear, like for the servant, the fear of letting someone down causes us to abandon ourselves and go to sleep to ourselves and not truly live into all that God has called us to be. Sometimes it's the fear of man or if the fear of what others will think if we step out and if we, if we truly um, lay hold of all that God has called us to, the fear of what others might think of us. Um, sometimes it's the fear of not seeing our dreams truly realised, that, that fear of being disappointed again when something that you'd really hoped for or believed for doesn't come to pass in the way that you wanted it to. And sometimes that fear can be so paralysing that it slowly wears us down to the point where we just can no longer find the internal motivation in our inner man to pursue those dreams anymore. Um, Sometimes this abandonment of self can look like avoiding hard things, can look like avoiding painful things or stressful things um, and resorting to things like escapism just to um, go to another place where things just feel more comfortable and more safe. So abandonment of self is what happens to us when fear gets in there. The other one is pride and it shows up in almost the opposite that sometimes one leads to the other and this is is when we become self-absorbed. And this is a little danger for us too, but um, um, when we, you know, for us sometimes when our pride gets the better of us, our world becomes all about what's most comfortable what's right for me, 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 keeping me safe, keeping me comfortable. And we lose sight of the bigger purpose that God has for us. And that's a really slippery spiral. It can often lead us into places of depression and anxiety, actually. Um, But we also run the risk here of becoming desensitized to the real needs of the world and and the needs of others around us. Um, In my own journey, um, as as I've had to journey through this Um, slothfulness issue. Um, For me, I'm a really productive person. I love to be busy. Um, I love to work hard. Um, So slothfulness for me showed up in a really subtle way. And um, I think it was probably, it became really, started to become evident to me in the early years of our marriage. um, I'm blessed to be married to a brilliant man. And he is somebody who, for as long as I have known him, 
um, has always had a really clear vision of who he is, what he wants to do and what his contribution um, is to make to the world, who God has called him to be. He's always, um, always been a visionary, always been really clear like that, always been really confident to be able to articulate that. And my journey was really different to that. I found it took me a long time to really figure out what my purpose was in God, who God had put me together to be, the way he'd wired me, what my gifts were, what my talents were. And so for a long time, because, because Matt um, is so, um, you know, so visionary in that way, it was really easy for me. He had enough vision for both of us. It was really easy for me just to kind of tuck into the slipstream and just kind of ride his coattails and go along for the ride. Um, but God really began to challenge me about that and it was subtle because on the outside it looked like I was being really productive, working really hard, even looked like I was doing lots of great things for the kingdom but actually on the inside I was asleep to what God had truly called me to as an individual, not just as somebody who was married to Matt. And so I had to go on this deep, I had to go on this hard journey of actually getting in touch and finding that place within myself, coming back to that place with the Lord and asking him to speak into my identity and clarify that for me and um, really open myself up to being called out again. Um, so if that's you today and you're, you're somebody and you're struggling to figure out your purpose um, and it feels easier just to ignore it and go to sleep and just be about what someone else is doing, let me just encourage you to come back to that place with the Lord, invite him to speak to your identity because it shows up, this slothfulness can show up in really subtle ways and, and um, it might not always be obvious to everyone else around you. But if you've got that little nudging, that prompting in your spirit today, I just really want to invite you to pay attention to that and what the Lord might be doing in you. So if this is, if you're hearing this today and you're like, yep, this is happening for me, I'm in a slothful season or I can see that there's a pattern of slothfulness in an area of my life, I want us to have a look at just a couple of things that we can do, some really practical things um, that are going to help us find some freedom in that. Um, what I love as we look in scripture and what I love is that we are always reading about how Jesus is in the business of redemption and restoration. He's always looking for ways to help us um, find freedom in him and freedom in our life. Um, and as we've been going through this series, for every vice, there's been a corresponding virtue. And for sloth, it's discipline. And I know that there are so many of you that just let out a big sigh because discipline, when you think of that word, you think of restrictions and limitations and rules. And if, there ever has, if, restrict, if there's ever been a more dirty word right now, it's restrictions. I know, I know you don't want to hear that word. But let me tell you this. This is what I've learned. That discipline is actually the place where we find the true freedom. We think discipline is all about restrictions, but actually discipline's all about liberty. It's all about finding freedom. And when we can, um, when we can actually get God's theology for discipline, and when we look at scripture and see what Jesus modeled, we actually find that it's discipline that breaks us free um, from this sin of slothfulness like nothing else will. And so... Um, you know, um, for some of us, it's actually time to stop making the excuse, but that's just the way I'm wired. Yes, there are some personalities that have a tendency towards it, but we have to stop making the excuse, but I'm just, this is just the way I am. Because um, you know what, there's always a journey of transformation that Jesus is inviting us to. And just the way we, we've not been invited to, to 
constant patterns of sin um, to be just the way I am. We've actually been invited to a life of freedom, a life of wholeness, a life of restoration. And so we're going to stop making that excuse, aren't we, together? God has a theology of work and rest. And what I want you to hear today, is this doesn't mean that you need to be overproductive, working, crazy person. We're not going from one to the other, but we're actually going to learn how God modelled a healthy rhythm of both work and rest because he invented both of them, guys. Genesis 2, God invented work and God invented rest. After he worked and saw that it was good, the Bible says that he rested. But he didn't just rest all the time and he didn't just work all the time. A healthy rhythm of work and rest. When we look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, he modelled this rhythm of work and rest to us as well. He worked so hard. He was on mission. He was passionate. He lived with purpose. Everything he did when Jesus walked on earth was with purpose, absolute purpose, absolute alignment with the Father. And he worked tirelessly for that. But he also modelled to us relaxing with his friends and enjoying a meal and resting. He modelled to us what it looks like to retreat to a quiet place and to pray and to rest and to rest in his soul and so we have the, we have these brilliant examples to follow in scripture we're called to be imitators of Christ and he was never slothful guys not once do we read in scripture Jesus being slothful he modeled healthy work and healthy rest for us so if we want to imitate him we've got to we've got to come out of this place of slothfulness and follow his example um, I want to tell you today just because you're there now doesn't mean you have to stay there just because you might be having one of those weeks where you just want to stay in your udi on the couch and watch Netflix all day and night doesn't mean you have to stay there. If that's how you're feeling on the inside, if you're asleep on the inside now, there's an opportunity to wake up today. There's an opportunity to wake up to, to God in you, to God at work who's always been at work in you before time began. God has been at work in you. And that's the power of grace. God's faithful to his promise to redeem and restore us. He's faithful to his promise to lift us up out of the places of struggle that sometimes we find ourselves in and set our feet upon a rock. So some practical tools to wrap this up today. Um, the first is this, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to meet you, to give you clarity on who you have been called to be in Jesus. Clarity on your identity and also how to be wise with the time that you've been given. Search my heart. The words of David in Psalm 139 is a great place to start. Search my heart, O God. Search my heart, O God. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask the Holy Spirit just to search your heart this morning and to show you, to illuminate to you, are there any areas in your life where slothfulness, a pattern of slothfulness has taken root and is actually um, causing causing death and destruction in your world and not bringing you life and the joy that comes from life with Jesus? Is there anything that the Lord just wants to put his finger on in you this morning? And ask, ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom, to give you insight, to give you understanding and to give you guidance as to how you can use your time and use your gifts in a way that would bring glory and honour to God. So that's the first thing, start at the foot of the cross. The second thing is this, and these are some really practical things now. Find your purpose. When you know why you were created and you know who God has called you to be, 
your desire gets fired up and you get motivated to work and to do something meaningful for the kingdom of God. If you are struggling to figure out your purpose, it can feel really overwhelming and you might be thinking, I don't even know where to start. Let me give you some really practical ways that you can get started on this. Of course, ask God to speak to you about it. As well as that, find a mentor or a friend who you can talk to that can help you identify the gifts that are in your life. Sometimes that we find it hard to identify them for ourselves, but somebody that knows you really well will be able to sit with you and go, I see this on your life, I see this on your life, I see this on your life. So sit with someone and invite them to call the gifts out in you. Um, there are things like a spiritual gift survey, which we have access to that we can give you access to here at church. A spiritual gift survey is a great way to, um, it's a really practical um, tool that you can use to help you identify your God-given gifts and talents. Story Day, you might have started to hear about that. That's coming up towards the end of the year and early next year. Story Day is a, an experience that we've created here at Discovery to help you on your discipleship journey in this, very, in this very issue of helping you figure out your purpose so that you can live a life that, that just brings glory and honour to Jesus and just fulfils the plans of God for you. Um, if you're in a life group, talk to your life group leader about it. There are people around you who would love to help you figure out your purpose in Jesus and help you get some clarity in that. So find your purpose. That's the first one. The second one is this, develop healthy disciplines. I love Paul's teaching on this idea of discipline. All through, Paul's, all, through, all through the letters in the New Testament, you'll hear Paul speaking about this issue of discipline. It was, one of his, it, was a, it was a topic he was super passionate about. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're on, we're, we're just, we've just come, Paralympics starts on Tuesday night, guys. I'm pumped for it. We've just had the, the, um, the first round of Olympics. Now we get the super duper best round of Olympics, Paralympics. I love it. Starting on Tuesday. But this is what Paul says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Have you ever watched an Olympic Games and watched a running race where somebody just stood there and didn't actually run in the race that they were supposed to run in? Unless there's some catastrophic event, that does not happen. People don't train for years and years and years and get to the Olympics and then not run in the race that they've trained to run in. No, in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Do you hear the warning against running aimlessly? We need to not be running aimlessly through life, but disciplines, having disciplines in place help us actually live a really productive, meaningful life. And so how do you get some disciplines? These are just some really practical things that I do. These might help you. I've broken it up into the five Fs. Family, healthy family relationships, be disciplined in how you are cultivating your family relationships. Faith, have a vibrant faith relationship with Jesus. You've got to cultivate that. Be disciplined in spending time in the word, in spending time talking with the Lord and growing in your faith. Fitness, we've got to cultivate healthy 
um, rhythms in our life to keep ourselves physically and spiritually fit. We've got to honour our bodies. That we, This is the body we've been entrusted with. Just one. We just get one for now. Um, thankfully, you know, we're part of an eternal story, but we've got to honour the body that we've been given. So your fitness, how are you cultivating healthy fitness rhythms? Finances, how, this is about stewardship, cultivating healthy stewardship rhythms in our lives and fun. How are we cultivating places of play and creativity and rest? This is the one that's the biggest challenge for me. I'm really good at working. I'm trying to learn how to be better at just playing and having fun and, and, and just enjoying that space with the Lord. So stop running aimlessly. Let's get organised. One of the best things you can do if you struggle with this is look around you. Who can you see that's really good at it? Who can you see that's actually great at, at putting in place disciplines in their lives that are really working for them? And ask them how they do it. Go and ask them how they, how they get that, how they're organising their world, how they're managing that, how they're actually thriving in that way because they'll probably be able to give you some really good um, advice there. So find your purpose, develop some healthy disciplines. And the last one is this, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake by seeking out accountability and contributing to a community. Um, in, in 2 Thessalonians, there's an amazing reflection, um, verses 6 to 12, let me read it to you. It says this, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you've received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labour we worked day and night that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Accountability is everything, guys. If you struggle with slothfulness, being accountable to someone is going to be a gift to your life. So who is someone in your world that you can ask to keep you accountable so that you can continue to break free from these, the slothful patterns of sin that, that can so easily in, entangle us and actually be productive with what you've been entrusted with, actually live into the purpose that God's given you. So be accountable. Don't be a burden to the community. Did you hear that in this scripture? Don't be a burden to the community. When you are stuck in slothfulness, you create more work for everyone else. It's as simple as that. And everyone else who's part of the community has to pick up the slack. And the scripture is really clear. Don't be a burden. Be a gift to the community. And let the community really help you break free and help you in accountability. Um, we, we need you. We need you. The world needs you. We're in a crisis of hope in the world right now. You only have to look at the news, not just the COVID-19 pandemic, guys. I feel like every, we're in a heightened state. Everything's political. Everything's intense all of the time. It is, these are just day, crazy days and there is a crisis of hope in the world that we live in. And we've actually been entrusted with the cure of that, with the message of the gospel, the one thing that truly changes things. And when we're asleep to ourselves, when we're not really living into our purpose, when we're not bringing our gifts to the table, 
we're actually um, not able to live the life and to shine like stars in the universe as we've been called to and to shine out that message of hope to the world. So we need you. We need you to be awake. We need you to be on mission. Um, and, the, and, and so I really want to encourage us today, just I'm going to pray for us, but um, to be diligent with the work of our hands and with the work of the kingdom. God's entrusted something really significant to us. He's invited us. What a privilege to be invited to partner with God in his mission. And just as we close, Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance for the Lord from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So I just want to um, finish by praying for us today. Hey, um, and especially want to pray for you is um, for you if, as we've just been chatting together this morning, if there's something that the Lord's been stirring in your heart, perhaps you're like, actually, yeah, I can see a pattern of sin in this area of slothfulness in my life, or I'm just having a really, really hard time. And this COVID season and this extended lockdown has just really got me down and I need some prayer to help me just break free and to get out of this. So just why don't you posture your heart and um, let me just pray for you this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come and fall afresh on hearts everywhere today. God, for those of us who are struggling in this area of slothfulness, we just come with a heart of repentance today. God, I pray that you would illuminate to us those places in our lives that we've neglected, those places in our lives that we've fallen asleep, God. Whether it be physically, God, spiritually, in our relationships with one another, would you just give us the courage, God, uh, to wake up this morning? Lord, would you help us wake up to who you are, to who you are in us, to your work in us and your work in the world? Lord, would you just renew and restore our desire to actually partner with you to see your mission fulfilled, to actually live into all that you've called us to be, God. I thank you that we're on a journey of transformation and I thank you that your grace extends over us. God, this morning I just pray for any weary hearts, God, for those who feel like they just want to be under the covers and, and everything just is feeling overwhelming and too much. Would you just extend your arm of comfort this morning and would you just coax us out of our hiding places, God, of those places where we go to hide and retreat. Thank you, God, that in your gentleness you call us out from those places today and you call us to and, you, and you're reminding us, God, of the great gifts that you've entrusted to us and how you want to use us in your grand plan, God, to, to restore the world. And so I just pray... Um, just for renewal this morning, God, refreshment this morning in you and a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit over each person. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's been so good having you join us. We're going to worship together again. And as we do that, um, why don't you just let the Lord continue to minister to your heart. And um, I know he's got something fresh for you today. Bless you guys. Thanks for joining us on this Discovery Church podcast. Now go and find yourself in the biggest story.